This is Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. The Toronto Maple Leafs will try to stave off elimination in Game 4 of the Eastern Conference Semifinal. Nick Kiprio, Sammy McKee, Derek Brandeo, David Sisboomba. And from remote on location... Go to Justin Bourne, who I got to be honest with you. If I thought anybody wasn't going to show up for work today, it would have been our Sammy McKee. <laughs> Too nervous, uh, I think. But uh, let's welcome in Justin Bourne. Hey, I got to tell people what's going on. They got to hear my sob story. My kid's school caught fire last week, and now he's back home like it's the pandemic doing virtual school for a week. I'm back in pandemic mode, people. The Leafs are almost out. Help. Hell. <laughs> well, listen, uh, first and foremost, glad to hear everybody's safe and sound. Uh, yep. Nobody hurt, number nope. one. And number two, Sammy, can, can the Leafs catch fire for a change? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. What do you think? What do you think, Kipper? I think feel like we've been having the same conversation for three days now. Yes. I, I, I Let's just start. Listen, uh, I'll go to you first, JB. Yeah. What has to happen tonight? In a big picture for me, this isn't about winning the series. This to me is, uh, as, as I've stated in the last three days, saving a little bit of face. What does that mean at the end of the day? Just yeah. Go down with a fight. Well, that's exactly it, Kip. Like, I, you know, I want to see guys fighting for ice. Like, it, you know, it, it's been – if it's tough to get to the inside because you got to take some wax, let's see some wax taken and some penalties drawn. Let's see some shots blocked. Like, you want to know that there wasn't quit tonight, that this team did believe all the way to the end here. I think there's a, a lot of, of reputations at stake, and it, it doesn't just need to be success. You need to see the care. You know, are they uh, – some – jawing at the other team and some FU left in them and just not rolling over. And and you say it won't matter because if it does, then you question the timing. I think I've, I stated this yesterday, I think on the show that if the Leafs were really going to find a new way to drive stakes into their heart, their hearts, uh, their fans hearts would be if they found a way to get this to game seven and lost in game seven. And I think <laughs> that would put this team into such a murky middle. Like I just, the losing tonight makes things clear, right, fellas? We can both we can all agree on that. Tonight, it would be if, merciful if a, if, a, if there's a sweep tonight. I think it's pretty clear about what happens this off season. Are we all on the same page there? Yes. Well, we know that nothing can't happen. How's that? Okay. Game five, they lose in game five. Then what? Similar? Yes, yeah, st- still similar. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't see. Uh, I don't see a, a series loss at this point in five, six, or seven without changes. See, if they go to seven, I feel like it may, the perception may be different. Not for me. I'm not saying my personal thing, but don't you think you look within that you get, if we all at the start of the year sat here and said that the Leafs this year will get to the seventh game of the second round of the playoffs, wouldn't that be a successful year for this group? after what they've gone through for the last seven or eight years? 
I think the bigger point there, Sammy, is that if they were to get to a seventh game, the numbers, a lot of the analytical numbers and stuff would have to tilt in their favor. They'd have to win three straight games. They're already level or even better than Florida in some of the expected goals type stuff. If they were to win three straight here, the numbers are going to look real good. And then you go, they lost in seven, and boy, they outplayed them, and you'd show all the numbers, and you'd have a case to make, right? That's what I mean. I just, I really don't know what, quote-unquote, saving faces for this team and this organization. I'm really, I'm in a weird spot with it. I don't know. I think the clearest thing is if they lose tonight. And I think then you can just justify whatever you want. But if this gets beyond, if this gets to six or, you know, God forbid, seven, I think yeah. the conversation changes a little bit, which I, I don't, I'm not sure it's right. I, I, I don't disagree with you yeah. at all. I, I think there's a chance to earn some credibility back Mm -hmm. some respectability some dignity can be gained with three wins in a row yeah Yeah. i i don't know to what point does that change the dynamic for kyle moving forward brendan moving forward and jb most importantly the core four moving together Mm -hmm. yeah yeah well i think that you know that's the the real big decision and probably the hardest thing to make any changes to is like you know that group has been they've had the same shortcomings i guess for a long time if they if the next three games sammy to get to a seventh showed fight and commitment and you know all those things that you'd question them for it does change things so that's why i think this story is not written as much as you know if they go out like they went out last game it's it's you know an easy decision you're right but they have time and i think the reason the reason i do and a lot of leaf fans believe the story is written is because of what we've seen in the past in these kind of games from the stars on this team. And I think a lot of people, myself included, have their mind made up. Isn't that the sense you guys are getting from everyone you talk to? Both you guys, I'm sure, you know, get messages from people and people stop you and talk to you about the Leafs. The general consensus I'm getting from my friends and my, the people that come to me is that they're pretty close to done with this era of Leafs hockey right now. And if they go out in four tonight, I, I, yeah. I don't know what the hell the offseason brings, but it doesn't seem like it's going to be pretty for anyone. Would it be typical, JB, of the Leafs to win one or two just to, yeah. just to reiterate that this era was about being close but not close yeah. enough, being good but not being good enough? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, Kip. I, I mean, it would make way too much sense. <laughs> Excuse me. Are you okay? Um, everything, um, everything about this team over this era has been close, but no cigar, right? Good, but not good enough. And it would be really shocking to have it end in clean, abject failure. You know, to it would be exactly what you would expect from what we've seen, where they become a Rorschach test once again, where people go, ah, I, I liked what I saw, and other, some other people say, I don't, and you argue about it, and no one, you know, changes their mind. In about 13 minutes, we're going to go to Luke Fox, uh, Leaf NHL writer for Sportsnet.ca. And, you know, I, I love having fun with Luke and yeah. joke around with him a lot. But we got to go back a few months ago when he wrote a scathing letter mm. on what the Toronto Maple Leafs, in his mind, were. Yeah. And was that after Anaheim? I think it was. God, I can't even remember. I think it was after I they just got remember back it trip. was a wow <laughs> article. And please feel free to, to find it again. Yeah. 
go go to sportsnet.ca and, and find Luke Fox's uh, article and we're going to talk to him a little bit about that and you know it it was one that put him out there it really did put him out there because we knew where the potential was for the club we knew where the expectations were with the club and maybe it was just a a process that they needed to go through to get to a place that uh enabled them to get by Tampa Bay without even playing their best hockey and there was still a feeling like this team hasn't hit all the cylinders and and they're going to get better as they go along. And and sure enough, that hasn't happened, at least in the first three games in the second round. Yeah. And Luke's article's looking pretty accurate, at least going into game four. Absolutely. And I'm sure he feels pretty good about it in terms of, I mean, I'm probably not really thinking about it a whole lot at this point, but. Well, bring listen, it up I'm, I'm absolutely going to yeah. bring it up to him because yeah. uh, has the vibe turned again? Oh, yeah. And is, is a lot more of the media on board now on, on what Luke was selling two months ago. Yeah. And he's at the rink now. So we'll get his thoughts on that. And then in about 30 minutes, Peter Laviolette, NHL head coach. Uh, this guy's been around top 10 in, in wins, Stanley cup champion. He's going to join us as well and talk about uh, teams being down three Oh, he's one of the four coaches in the history of the league to coach a team to do it. So talk about the mentality. What he's talking to about the team. Interesting conversation there. And then we're going to go back to the rink one more time yeah. in, this, in uh, the second hour here uh, and welcome in Jim Ralph. Of course, uh, Jim, along with Craig Simpson, been there all season long for us, mm-hmm. watched every game just like us. Uh, we'll get his thoughts on Joseph Wall in that. And how many, how many games do the Leafs need here to save face? Yeah. He'd be a perfect guy to ask as well. Uh, as far as... The Leafs are concerned. Let's go to our first Kippers Clipper of uh, the day with Sheldon Keefe on the two days off. I mean, it remains to be seen, right? Uh, if it goes well tonight, I think it would be a benefit. If not, uh, perhaps perhaps it hasn't. But it's, it's been a little bit bizarre. You know, one game in five nights, you don't really get that even in the regular season normally, let alone the playoffs. So, um Regardless, our guys are prepared, uh, I believe. I think we're in the right headspace given the circumstances. Uh, the guys are just excited to go out and play. So I think it's interesting that he said, "I our guys are prepared, I believe. Little doubt. <laughs> he left I it guess. hanging out there. I, they're, they're prepared, I, I believe. JB, let me ask you, two days off, top of your head. Who benefited the most, Florida or Toronto? Turn your mic on. Toronto's just got some older guys. You know, like, uh, I can't think of any of the old guys on Florida who needed as bad as, you know, Johnny looks, you know, Tavares always looks fresh with rest. O'Reilly, you know, could use it. Giordano looks like he's going to draw in as the seventh guy again. Have I got that right? So, you know, get a little bit of help for those guys, I think, Kip. You? I don't think it matters. I think it's just weird. It gets you out of your rhythm. Yeah. You're playing every other night. Well, and I that's think good just, for the Leafs. I think it's just got them out of the rhythm a little bit. Again, I can only tell you how I feel throughout the whole year in the show. And I mean, I, I'm with you. I, I, I mean, I can only speak of my experience and, and the feel that I get. But I was looking at game seven in Boston 
going to game one versus Toronto for Florida. And I, I was looking for a, a lull. I was looking for a, an emotional letdown, um, an exhale by the Florida Panthers. Never saw it. They haven't done and, it yet. They haven't seen it yet. Yeah, they haven't done it yet. Well, so, maybe in game two and Bobrovsky saved him a bit. But outside of that, not really. Just for a small window, maybe. Yeah. yeah. But that's who you need your goalie. Your goalie you. plays on the team. That's allowed. Is, is it possible, JB, that Florida doesn't let their foot off the gas pedal when it comes to the intensity of a hard forecheck, but they could, they could still come back to earth and, and lose the next couple of games, starting with for tonight? Sure. For sure. I, I made the analogy on our show maybe the week before when you're playing 21 with someone who's hot at the free throw line, you throw it off the line. So they got to move their feet, get off their spot, you know, like just change it up a little bit. Um, you know, on the other hand, to your point there, Kip, they did play a lot of hockey in that first round and, you know, a little bit of rest might do them good too. So uh, you're going to get every bit of pace from them. They know it's going to take a lot to put Toronto away. They don't want to fly back to Canada. No. They're going to try to get it done, right? Clear so I, I, think, and all that. I, I think you're going to see a, a high pace game tonight. I, if there's one thing, and I can't believe I'm about to say this H word, but if there's one thing that gives me hope about a potential comeback in this series, which is something that I haven't even really let myself talk about at all on this show. But it's the something that McKenna was talking about yesterday when it came to Bobrovsky and just mm-hmm. his extreme streakiness in terms of his hotness, his coldness. Both ways. Both yeah. ways. Like, when he is bad, he's as bad as it is, as you'll find. Like, he like is... Like, if you could see one squeaker go in tonight, yes. you might raise an eyebrow and go, like, oh? If they, if they could get a cup, find a way to just get a couple questionable ones by and put a little bit of seed of doubt in it. Because, I mean, you know, he's a veteran. He's been around a long time. But he can get really cold. Yeah. For the Leafs, again, to, to get people interested again in this series or mm-hmm. even by chance be a fifth team in NHL yes. history to do this, Bobrovsky's got to go from the best the best window of his career to the worst window of his career. He's got to go full Shesterkin to, you know, usual Bobrovsky. Yeah. To, ba- to Vasilevsky. Yeah. yeah. That's, <laughs> he's got to play like Vasilevsky in the last four games to leave to win. Yeah. Which that, is an insane that, that's, thing that's to That's a say. Hail Mary. <laughs> oh, it's an Hail absolute Mary. Hail Mary. Hey, I said, listen, I don't have much hope, but if there's one thing that does. Okay, so part of the, the issue, I think, uh, with the extra day off is, is the media – looking for stuff right i mean they can only repeat what they yeah repeat mm-hmm. and it's always nice when you can get some fresh material mm-hmm. did mitch marner give it to them yesterday with this quote uh let's go to it Derek. you know i think we've been saying it this whole time i mean we don't care what you guys say we don't listen to you guys outside of this locker room uh we're just focused on ourselves and uh this group in here okay um uh, this might come to a bit of a surprise to two you, two of you, but I'm a Mitch Marner fan. Really? Yes. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I am, but he made a big mistake there. Yes. And that was to draw in the media with that quote. And he's picking a fight that they were doing he, okay. can't, oh. he can't win. No, it's an unwinnable fight. And to me... Him saying that yesterday, in a nutshell, is what a lot of the issues with this team has been for a long time, it feels like. It's like you're down 3-0 in a series, and like, you don't listen to the media, and you're talking about the media. Like, I, I, don't, I can't think of many stars in the league that would do that. Can you? 
Uh, like are many, many guys going to blame the media? Dry Seidel went hard at, oh, uh, yeah, Spe- uh, at, yeah. at Spectre. It, it does happen, but when, when you're down 3 nothing and and you haven't scored yet, mm-hmm. it's it wasn't like he was asked... Uh, what are your thoughts about the way the media has been treating you? Exactly. Like he he walked into that. And I think for me, and I'll let you get in here, JB, it was just a natural uh, defense mechanism on his part yeah. to to uh, n- know what is coming. Yeah. Like he, he, he feels it already. The attacks are already there. And it was just a natural defense mechanism. And... In all honesty, I think the Leafs screwed up because he is at times emotional mm. and I, I wouldn't have even had him available to the media. He talks every day, Kip. I know. Like I he's know. one he's one of the assistant like that's, that's when you know ma- though if you're the PR department yeah. and they're being attacked, uh you don't have to make them available. And I know people are sitting there going, Hey, he should talk, he should be held accountable and blah 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 blah, you know, step up. But I'm I'm if I'm the Leafs, yeah. I'd gladly take the heat on not making him available than dealing with him starting a fight with the media. So I'm going to tell you right now, Kipper, and I'll let you get in here, Borny. If he, if they lose tonight, he's going to be talking again. He had like, there's a certain, you know, you've played in this market, you know, it's there's a certain responsibility as the leadership core of a group, which he is. He's one of the assistant captains that. Yeah. You got to talk after the games. I know, but and before the games, that's but, what you do. But he he's done this before. Oh yeah, and you should have been guarded on that. Yeah, I I just I think, you know, it's it's one thing to do it after a game, which I think it's much more. You're much more emotional, and I think it's more. But to do it at like a morning skate to me, it's just it's a little premeditated. Bar- Barney, you got to get in here. You know, I think for me, when I go back at someone on like Twitter who's like crappy to me or whatever. All it does is amplify my own stress. I think about it. I get preoccupied by it. You know, like it, it, it's more of an emotional drain on me to be engaged with someone. I think back to when Brad Marchand was mad at the media. He thought uh, the media was being unfair to him. Remember, he gave our own Kyle Bukowskis like a five-second answer, like at a pregame skate. Oh, yeah. Like in, in warm-ups. Did the same thing to the rest of the media after the game. You know, he just didn't want to give him anything. He didn't want to talk. He didn't think the media was worth it. You know, that's probably the way to combat the media, you know, rather than doing the what I equate to my own Twitter reply to someone, just like going back at kind of creating another thing to think and worry about. It's probably not the best part, place to, to put part your Part of focus. the PR department is just to know uh, like who's who, who can calm the waters and sometimes, you, you know, I, I tease guys for having safe sound bites and they don't really say anything. Yesterday was a perfect time where you needed John Tavares to to go and have go, his go out safe, there and lull us to sleep. Lull us to sleep. That's what you want. <laughs> Johnny right? Lullaby. Oh, Just give us the don't best, say the a word. Effort. Ryan it's a, O'Reilly. It's a tremendous honor to be pr- competing at this time of Ryan year. Ryan O'Reilly would <laughs> would never have done what Mitch Marner did. No, Good job, boy. You know, he's no. just, they just th- those are the guys that you should have made available for safe, but not an emotional guy like Mitch who's who's been down oh. this path before and knows he's gonna he's about to get really attacked if he hasn't already. Yeah. Well, I think when you listen to him talk in any media availability, and I've done it a million times this year, he's just saying whatever he needs to say as fast as possible to get it over with. 
Like he just no, he was on the attack yesterday. You think? Yes, he was. So it's he went out against there. the world. Yeah. But he specifically made it out to be like the media's the bad guys. Yeah. And I, I thought he was on the attack. He does seem like a guy where he's aware of what's being said. So like the not paying attention thing seems insincere. I I think you know, you if, if we're if we're talking about like overall leadership and the vibe, mm-hmm. I'll even go upstairs above Mitch Marner. Okay? When when I watch Kyle Dubas go at it with a fan. The first <laughs> thought I have, and you loved it because yeah. on face value, you think it's yeah. like rah, rah, rah. Yeah. Listen. I loved it. I know you loved it, but yeah. you loved it for the wrong really reason. the wrong reasons. Yeah, okay. Yes. You loved it because it's, it, it, it lacks maturity. Yeah, it lacks uh, composure. Yeah. Kyle Dubas, his, his competitor and his, the guy that he needs to beat Mm-hmm. isn't four rows underneath him. It's a waste of energy, and it lacks composure. Yeah. And I'll give you another example, too. Earlier in this series, Samsonov, post-game, drops an F-bomb when he was mm-hmm. asked about going up against Bobrovsky. Yeah. Lack of maturity, lack of composure. If I was in charge, mm. I would have had Samsonov the next day come out and apologize for his language, okay? The first thing I would have said is, hey, listen, I said, I said something yesterday. I didn't. I was emotional. I want to apologize to uh, you, the media, the fans. I know kids are on Instagram and Twitter. They hear me. That's not me. That's not who we are, okay? But nothing, okay? Everybody gets to go and, and, and show lack of composure, mm-hmm. and maybe that's part of the reason why you're down Three games. I'd like to take this opportunity to apologize for my language uh, <laughs> yesterday myself. <laughs> See, you know, but, good for you. you know, my, uh, it's an unintentional slip. Yeah, I would like to apologize for all my swears <laughs> on this a show bad run here, boys. and a uh, bad run. leaf stock and everything. So uh, I'm going to go call Luke and then I'll hand him over to you guys. So let's give me two minutes. Just want to say I'm proud of you guys <laughs> doing the right We're thing. Taking the cursing mantle. Yes. Funny True how honor, Kip. True honor We always said when people swear on our show It's because they feel comfortable It feels like a locker room, whatever yeah. And sometimes we got to well, remind sometimes ourselves going into delay right I, Listen, now. I've been guilty of it And sometimes I don't even know I did it and uh, But it's, it's not right Especially when, again uh, yeah. We know a lot of people listen to this show Including kids And it, it really isn't who we are no. So no, for every bad word I've said in two years, uh, I apologize to <laughs> Erase them. They never happen. We just erase them. Yeah. Uh, okay, we're going to get to Luke Fox, and, and we'll talk about that vibe. We'll talk about, uh, you know, how he took uh, uh, Mitch's comments, and is that in many ways, JB, I, I get what, Mitch is also trying to do, and we've seen it before, and it has worked for some teams, is us against the world, right? Yeah, yeah, 100%. And they got to find something here, Kip. You know, whether it's new goalie comes in and turns the tide, cool. You know, the team decides that they've had enough and they want to get combative, whatever it is. You know, you you can't go into this one in your same suit with your same pregame routine. It hasn't worked, so you need a little something different. 
Um, yeah, you're, you're right, Kip. There is some value in that. Okay, uh, Derek, can we get one clip in before we go to Luke at the rink? Uh, and let's go with uh, Matthews and Marner, two guys that uh, have to find a way to get on the score sheet. For, for good reason, there's a lot of focus on the last game in game three, but also in game two, that line was quite dominant in a lot of ways and, and controlled the, a lot of the scoring chances, had a number of chances, as did Tavares and Nylander together. Um, but when you get into a game like this, you look at the big samples, you look at all the different things that have happened throughout both the regular season and the playoffs. Uh, Matthews and our team has been the best. Our lines have been the best when it's been Matthews, Marner, and Yarn Crockett's the best line we've had all season, both when we've used in the regular season and in the playoffs. And then uh, through this playoffs, you know, we've looked at it, and there's been different things that we've used. But, you know, a lot of times when Marner's gone down with Tavares, that gives Tavares a boost that hasn't really been the case. It's been Nylander that's been really, you know, given that group a boost. So I don't see a lot of reason to change it there. And uh, Kerfoot with Tavares Nylanders, that's as good as that line has been as when Kerf's been there. So you know, we haven't liked Bunting in that spot as much, but he liked the energy and stuff that he brought with O'Reilly. So just really puts the lines together well there for us you know, in terms of what I believe are the best lines we've used through this playoffs and even in some cases the bigger sample for those that have had it. So you put your best group forward and let them play. All right, let's go to Luke Fox, who's down covering uh, Toronto and Florida in game four. Luke, a few things we want to get into with you, but let's start off of uh, Sheldon Keefe's comments about the lines and this will give us the best best opportunity to win tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Kipper. I, I would say that, you know, Sheldon Keefe, I don't think it's a stretch to say at this point he's coaching for his job. So I'm happy with him going with what he thinks will give them the best chance to win this game. So if that means going back to Matthews and Marner together, even though they were flat out atrocious in, in game three and got caved in and couldn't score again. If, you know, if your job's online, all the power to you, you get to, to make the lines. I wasn't thrilled how he answered that question the, that you just played the clip for. I would love to just say, these are elite players. They're going to break through. We believe in them. That's why they're together. I don't want to hear, like, do fans want to hear about the size of sample sizes and they were, he worked, well, with Yarncroc here and there in this spot, I think, you know, I liked what Luke Shen was saying. In the in elimination game, it's about will and hard work and who wants it more. And uh, I, I think, you know, he, he's getting bogged down in, in some of this stuff in his messaging. But in terms of how he sets the lines, he made a drastic change to the, the D pair, finally breaking up the shutdown pair of Brody McCabe that wasn't working. That's, that's his, his team to coach. He's coaching for his job all the power to him. He should make the lines and deep pairs the way he wants. You know, what's interesting is listening to that, Luke. Like, I hear him basically saying, Tavares needs a little help, and we think Nylander's the best chance at it. Like, he's he's been really up and down in this series, all 88. You know, I was critical of him in game one, but he does seem to be one of the few guys with offensive pop. Uh, you know, what do you think the coaching staff and team has felt about Nylander's performance in this second round? I think they've absolutely loved it at times when he, yeah. when he's on. I mean, he had that one third period in game two where he was the best player on the ice uh, by a mile. And, uh, you know, he made an amazing play, uh, the assist on, on the one uh, Gustafson goal. I mean, he had flashes. I, I think he's, he's been going. I, I still think it's the same old story and that 
his inconsistency in this playoff drives him nuts because they see the high end. They see what he's capable of, and it's just they want him to bring it every single night. Uh, so, yeah, t- I mean, Tavares, I-, I heard that same thing. It's like we need to get Tavares going, and that's kind of been a theme throughout the regular season too. I, I was wondering if they w- would have tried going back to the Ontario line. They tried it like with Marner. Tavares and O'Reilly and Tavares on the wing. I mean, I know it didn't work out in the short time they tried it in the Tampa series, but this is a different opponent and Tavares is, is struggling right now. So I was kind of curious uh, going into yesterday's practice, they might try him with O'Reilly and push him to the wing to give him some help. But uh, obviously that's not the case. Luke, we, uh, we, we heard Mitch's comments and there was a sense that he was angry and uh, uh, really made it abundantly clear what he thought about some, if not all in the, in the media and, and, and the potential of what may be coming if, if they get swept here. But what was the sense from you and, uh, and maybe others in the media on, on where these guys are at? Well, I'll tell you a little story. When they got back from the Western road trip, which was the last time they lost three in a row and they actually lost four in a row coming back from that horrible performance in Anaheim, uh, their very first uh, home practice, a bunch of me- extra media came, right? Because this is, this is a potential train wreck. Things are going poorly. So you get a bunch of, a few extra cameras, maybe from the mainstream media and lots of the, the beat reporters who weren't on the road. And I, I heard that, you know, as this, these people started flooding into the, in the room, a couple people told me, Mitch said, oh, great, here come the piranhas. Uh, so that comment kind of um, the one he made yesterday about we don't care what you think, we're not listening to you, well, all we care about is ourselves, kind of brought me back to that moment a little bit where it's kind of like you guys are the enemy, we, we, we have to take care of ourselves. The only people we can count on, the only people who will support us is ourselves. We have to find it in here. And I don't know if I love that attitude, you know, because the, the media is not – really out to get them really it's just a reflection like if they if they win there's going to be great stories written if he gets has a three-point game it's going to be a a wonderful story uh I, I would have liked to see a little more ownership in that moment you know the fact that things haven't gone well for him in the in that series game three in particular he looked lost i i would love uh if you're wearing a letter and you've been in the league seven years or whatever it is now that you say I need to be better. And why, why drag the media into it? That particular question, no one even was asking about the media. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a fair point. And so it is like the, the pressure is obviously on the superstars. That's, you know, I think it can't, it can only be on them because they changed so much from earlier in this season, from previous season. And it's starting to feel like a lot more of the same, you know, in talking about changes for tonight, I'll just bring you back to the decor a little bit. Um, Mark Giordano, to me, has not been hyper-effective for, for them in this postseason. Uh, what do you make of his reduced role um, and how that affects the rest of the group? Yeah, so he, he's going to be the seventh defenseman. I think he only played around eight minutes in Game three's loss. And uh, what do I make of it? I think they leaned on him more in the regular season than they expected to. I think in a perfect world, he would be getting third pair minutes. But because in, you know, November, December, they had some serious injuries. Brody was out for a while. Riley was out for a while. And they needed Gio to, to step up. And he was logging top four minutes. Oldest skater in the whole National Hockey League. I think that catches up with you. I also have my suspicions that he's battling something. 
uh, and has been since the end of the regular season. And, you know, when, when this thing finally ends, are we going to you know, drag at the laundry list of injuries? I wonder if he has one um, because he hasn't looked like himself. Uh, and if he's not himself, then that's what you got to do. You have to taper his minutes, but it's kind of sad to see because, you know, I, I really love his game. I love the fact that he's, he's one of the Leafs that's not afraid to, to block shots, eat pucks, do dirty stuff. But he's not stuffing out cycles the way he used to. He, he's not as effective as he was in the regular season. And part of that, I think, is just the team they're playing plays hard. Like their forecheck is relentless. Uh, and the speed is ratcheted up. And, and maybe, you know, this is a little bit of father time happening here, too. Okay, but like, please tell me you're not putting your surprise face on on a guy who's closing in on 40 and he was playing 18, 20 minutes a night. No, nobody saw this coming. I talked about this the moment I heard that he was coming, that you have to protect him. There needed to be nights off. You knew you were playing Tampa Bay in November, for God's sakes. November. <laughs> why, 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 why run him into the ground? Why play him almost every game? That's a good point. You're right. He didn't get the load management treatment until the very end. That, that's, a, that's a valid point, Kipper. Okay, so that's predictable. But what about the play of McCabe and TJ Brody? No one saw that coming. No, you're absolutely right. They're getting, they're getting caved in. And I, I wonder if Brody, you know, Brody had a couple injuries this year. I wonder if something is aggravated there. He does not look like the same player. Jake McCabe, I mean... I, I don't know. I, I think he, he kind of is what he is. I think he's a good defenseman. That, to, to me, it kind of all circles back to how they've structured the payroll. They, they have to find a Giordano at, you know, at bargain basement rate. They have to go from a cave over a guy like uh, Ekholm or someone because you have to save a little bit of money here. And that's because you spent so much on the top end. And it's, maybe it's unfair to put it all on those guys, but if they were scoring three or four goals a game the last five games instead of two, the, offense, the, the defense would be good enough. But the offense isn't picking up the slack right now. Luke, I know one thing that Kip wanted to talk to you about, um, and Kip, I hate to jump on you here, but about Luke's article earlier in the season, you know, you had uh, written a piece that was fairly critical. Um, you know, at the time was you know eight games 10 games into the season whatever it was everything you talked about there kind of feels like it was pretty bang on at this point how do you look back at that piece you wrote and feel that it is aged some i don't know six seven months later yeah well i'm getting similar vibes during this downstretch that i did in october uh i would say that after they lost to the kings and the next game was against the Ducks, and they'd already lost three in a row. And at that point, Anaheim was dead last in the league. Uh, Morgan Riley said, well, the next game is going to be a real character to test. You're going to find out what we're made of in that game. And then they played a poor game. And the similar tone uh, was struck after game two. And they dropped the first two of this series to Panthers. Uh, Alexander Kerfoot called it a must win. Uh, everyone's like, okay, this is do or die. We got, we got to get back in this series. And then they laid an egg in game three. So that, to me, relates back to, to what I was talking about back then. Um, to be fair, like, after I wrote that, Kyle Dubas made, I believe it was eight different trades. And, you know, Obey Kubel is gone. And here comes Nola Chari and Ryan O'Reilly. And, and I do like the pieces that they brought in. I think he did some nice work. I think the depth 
has improved. But a lot of this, and I think I touched on it in that article, I don't know, it was months ago, but a lot of it is this great grand experiment, this, this idea that you can invest so, such a great percentage of your cap into four guys and put all that pressure on them to perform. And if someone finds a way to, to solve them or if there's an injury like there was to Tavares in the Montreal series, it all crumbles. And I just think hockey is such a, a team sport and you need everyone. And you look over the, the, down the hall and Florida's rolling four lines and they haven't changed their deep pairs and everyone's just going and going and they're finding ways. It, it just brings me back to maybe that doesn't work in hockey. Maybe you can't load, load it so heavily to uh, all the pressure and all the money and all the responsibility to just a few guys. Listen, if we know physically Joseph Wall has never been in this position before. This is new. There's a million reasons why he should get shelled tonight. But, and this is the but, he seems to have a demeanor that doesn't get excited or doesn't really fall into that uh, I, I know what's at stake feeling. Correct me if I'm wrong, wrong, Luke, but this is a guy that does not do any social media, doesn't pay attention to anything, did not find out that the Leafs traded for Ryan O'Reilly until he got into the dress room and actually looked at the lineup no way. to the wall. Come on, that happened? 100%, 100% true. 100% true. And, and he's a 24-year-old kid. What 24-year-old do you know that doesn't use social media? I, I, I applaud this guy because... You know, some people say they stay off it, but the, you know, you, you see the you see the guys on their phones after the games, or you know, was they're walking to the bus. But this this kid actually lives it, and this is uh, something he did recently uh, when he was coming back from his his injury or in training camp. You know, I, I don't know if he got some some advice or he just felt it in him that it wasn't making him happy. And he said, the way my mind works, social media wasn't wasn't doing me any favors. And I, I said, well, how, like, how do you stay in touch with people? And he's like, I got out a, a piece of paper and I made a list of the people that are important to me that I want to stay in contact with. So I reach out to them directly, whatever, text or, or phone calls. And those are the people I talk to. And I really want to limit all the outside noise. This guy has taken up meditation in a very serious way. All he does is talk about living in the moment uh, and you know, he was asked yesterday, uh, what's the, what was the last really big stage game that, that you played in that you had to perform? And, and he couldn't think of it. And he was just, it's kind of stumped him, which shows what a big game this is, but it also shows where his head's at. He's like, really, there'll be time to rehash my journey here later. He's like, all I'm thinking about is stopping that park right now. So uh, I really like his demeanor. I think the Leafs have been patient in grooming a good one in him. And his cap hit makes it so that, you know, if he performs, he's going to be here a long time. And he's going to be an important player for them. Wait, he pulled out a piece of paper to make a list? Not his notes <laughs> app on his phone? Who has paper? <laughs> well, listen, Luke. Yeah, he's, uh, a different, he's a different kid. He's a different yeah, kid. Yeah, he is. And maybe that's exactly what the Leafs need tonight. Different. Yeah. Listen, appreciate your time. Here's to uh, delaying... Uh, being absolutely factual on your article months ago from Sammy. Let's hope you're still <laughs> wrong on it. Uh, but uh, enjoy the game one way or another, man. Thanks for doing this. All right. It's not over yet. Okay. Have a good show, guys. All Thanks right. for having me on. Thanks, Luke. Just, uh, just a quick follow-up on, on Joseph Wall. And 
there are signs that he he can be a, a solid NHLer. I, I just don't know in terms of how how good he can be and whether or not he can be a an NHL starter as early as next year. Yeah. JB to me is just again getting ahead of yourselves, and that's not to say he can't. But there's no proof at all to suggest that this guy can turn himself into Felix Potvin or James Reimer. Well, no. Um, you know, I'm, I guess I'm so fascinated by what a different guy he is that there is, you know, you kind of have to be a different guy to excel and not feel the pressure at that age in these situations. And he seems to have whatever that recipe is. So, no, you would never assume that someone could handle it. But uh, if you're going to if you're going to have someone be a strange outlier, give me a weird I, guy. I'll take it. I think the Leafs have probably saved themselves a little bit of money on the Samson out front, too, during this playoffs, haven't they? Like, I don't think he's going to be getting a massive contract. I just, the, the, the number one priority of the offseason, whoever's calling these shots at this point, is probably to find a way to get rid of the Murray deal. And then you have however much you'll pay Samson off and Joseph Wall, and you'll go into the season with that as your pairing next year, right? I mean, yes, I think you're right. Is, it, I don't, is there I don't any word on Samson off at all? Yeah, he's day to day. So he had an MRI. Yeah. And sore. Just uh, sore. I guess. See, I would have felt better if I would have heard broken collarbone or something. <laughs> I would have felt better. I, I'm, I'm sorry, but I, I would have. Yeah, he's just day-to-day. Why, so, Kip? Yeah. A little too quick to come out of the net for me. I would have liked to seen him argue with the trainer not wanting to come out and then having the trainer pull him out. He got smoked. I know he got smoked. He got so did, so did Everybody else got smoked. All the guys are getting <laughs> it's a, smoked. It's a wild take. He got annihilated by Luke Shen. I don't think he could play. He, could, he was hunched oh, over. He's, he's he, just I sore. I had a similar take yesterday, Sam. He, I know, I know. He, okay, so he's sore, yeah, right? He's, he's sore. out sore. I hope, yeah. I hope the Leafs hang in there long enough so he can be unsore uh, and <laughs> come back in the net. I mean, if they hang around long enough, it's because Joe Walton getting back in the net. Getting back yeah. in. Like, there's a world, and we're going to talk to Laviolette, like, they pulled... Pretty sure they pulled Boucher after they went down 3 nothing. Brian Boucher, and they put in Michael Layton, and then they won four straight, right? Like, this is, this is the point of series where stuff like this happens. I'm not, hey, catch, you can catch me. I'm not believing in this. I'm just saying that, like, you might be believing. If, they st- if they get it, start getting back in this series, Samsonov, whether he's sore or not, ain't going back in because Joe Wall be playing well enough for them to get back into it. So, there you Wally go. Pip. All right. Um... Got a couple things for you today in playoff picks, if you guys are ready. Cool. All right. Uh, it's time for playoff picks, presented by Bet365. Visit the app for the latest odds. Uh, did my, you know, bi-weekly Consmite trophy check-in. Uh, the only reason I bring this up is because the two Edmonton Oilers are down to 9-1 to one now. After they've gone down 2-1 in the series, the favorites, Matthew Kachuk, still at plus 650. So... I think if you believe that the Edmonton Oilers are going to find their way back into this series, which they're only down 2-1, all they got to do is win tonight, and they're right back in it, you think that you're probably never going to see Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid at 9-1 to again for Conn Smythe. So if you have some belief in that, maybe you could take a little look at that number. 
that's a very smart pickup there where you're not just betting on the player, you're betting against the series flow. And yeah, uh, yeah I like that. That's a, that's a good one. I want to talk about the Oilers later, but we got time at the okay. end of the show, I assume, so, right? Oh, yeah. So um, I got one here, the same game parlay for the Leafs game tonight. I like to call it the redemption parlay. And oh, nice. that's an Austin Matthews goal. Mitch Marner over a point and a half in a Leafs win that pays plus 375. So if you're a believer, if you believe that Mitch Marner, whatever he said to the media and Matthews and all these guys, they're really, it's us against the world. And they're going to come out big and they're going to have a big game. They're going to win in this series. They're going to need their stars to have a big game. So there you no. go. That's in a little plus money for you. Draw you some love penalties. That one. Yeah. Draw some penalties. Yeah, they could get yeah. a power, power play. play. Yeah. You know what, though? You love that one even if you're not a Leaf believer because the Leafs excel at optimizing the pain of their fan base. So that includes winning another game or two here. So a good bet there. There you go. And uh, happiness hedge number not looking great for the Cats. They're down to minus money, minus 105. A lot of people, they were at plus 105 yesterday. A lot of people hammering the Cats. So, uh, yeah. They, uh, I'm, they... I'm on the Leafs tonight, boys. First time all playoffs. Oh, great. Money on the Leafs. And the last thing I have to you before we get the break to get to Peter Laviolette is Vegas is a pretty juicy plus 165 tonight against the Oilers. I think the Oilers probably, you know, get it done tonight. They've been good bouncing back. But if you think there's some value there, plus 165. If you want to get it up to plus 425, you can parlay it with an Eichel goal who's been hot for them. So that's been Playoff Picks presented by Bet365. You can visit the app for the latest odds. Peter Laviolette, NHL head coach, eighth all-time and win Stanley Cup champion and knows a thing or two about being down 3-0 in a series. Lavi, after the break, you're watching and listening to Real Kipper and Bourne. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Mary Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Real Kipper and Born on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. The Kiprios, Justin Bourne. JB, looking forward to uh, our next guest. Only one of four coaches to come back 3-0. and And it's hard... It's hard not to think about it, is it? I, I know it's one win at a time, and that's what everybody says, and one shift. But come on, it's it's hard not to think about the odds here. Yeah, I think it starts with winning, you know, a couple of games. You know, you go into a game six, it, it feels like you get yourself a series. So uh, I've joked about my, uh, you know, sobriety before. It's the old twenty-four hours at a time, right? That's all this is. You just win the, get through the day, win today, worry about tomorrow, tomorrow, Kip. All right, let's welcome him in, Peter Laviolette. Eighth all-time in wins. Add another, what, 74 wins in the playoffs, and we're so happy to have you aboard, Peter. How are you? Thank you. How you doing, guys? How are you? We're good. We're good. Listen, you could just do the circuit in Toronto for the next, uh, what, few hours talking about bringing yeah. a team back to life, 3-0. and uh, yeah. Not many, only one of four. Can I ask you in terms of, first of all, to just kind of compare it to what the Leafs are going uh, through right now. When we talk about, you know, your Flyers up against Boston going down 3 nothing. As a coach, what did you identify the most that was wrong that you needed to change or change the energy? What went wrong 
if you kind of compare it to maybe what the Leafs might be going through? You know, I thought back back then, I thought that we had played, you know, some games you don't play well at all and you probably deserve to lose. I thought that we had played pretty well in the first three losses. And so I don't think that there was any lack of confidence or I don't think that, you know, our guys were in the room trying to figure out how we're going to do this. And, um, you know, obviously we talked about the moment and not thinking about the three games in the past and not thinking about, you know, the, the possible game that might come after that. And we just talked about staying in the day and staying in the moment. And I do think that, you know, part, part of it, I think, was being able to handle the pressure of a situation like that. We had some pretty cool cats in the room at the time. Uh, Pronger was in there and Hartnell was in there and um, Tiemann was in there and we had Richards and Carter and they were they were really good young players at the time and Simone Gagne. So we had some guys. But more than that, I think at Christmas we were, by Christmas or by the first of the year, we were last place in the league. And so that whole second half of the year was a lot of pressure and a lot of you know, they had to do the right things and play the right way. And there were setbacks along the way, too. Like, if you remember, we made it in on the last day of the year. That's the that's the year that we won. It was either the Rangers were either going to go to the playoffs or we were going to go to the playoffs on game number 82. And so inside of that, there was pressure again and, like, dealing with that and how to play with that. And then um, when it ends up going to a shootout, and I remember once we won that game, it's like we took the biggest piano and just threw it off our back and we placed New Jersey in the first round and we just we went right through them. And, um, and we ended up coming out, and I, still, I thought we were playing okay. And so it wasn't, it wasn't talking about major changes that had to be made. Um, it was about staying confident and staying positive in the things that we were doing on the ice. And um, we found ourselves, you know, in that situation down 3 nothing. I think the guys just stayed in the moment, and they played hard for one game, and we found ourselves a, a win. I think that first one might have been an overtime. I think game four might have been an overtime. And so that, that pushed us on from there, and we ended up making it to game seven. We're talking to Peter Laviolette, uh, and we're, the discussion is, is 2010 Philadelphia Flyers coming back from a 3-0 deficit to beat the Boston Bruins. JB? Yeah, Levy, was there a moment there in that series where you, you felt the tide turn, where you went, okay, it's only game five, but I feel like our guys believe this is possible now, or you know, does it come when you make the goaltender switch? Where do you start to feel the vibe that it's possible to, to scale the mountain? Well, the goaltending switches were out of necessity. They weren't, they weren't based on a, a call. We, we, we literally moved uh, between Boucher and Leighton based on injury. And so one one carried us. Leighton carried us. Uh, he came on late in the season, and he's really the guy who, who backstopped us and got us in the playoffs. Boosh played great when he was called on, and then Leighton got hurt, and Boucher came in, and he delivered. And right at the time when the, the coaching we made a switch, it was because of an injury. And then you know Leighton was back in net, and Boucher was injured. I think Boucher, if I remember correctly, somebody went into him, and he had a double groin pull. He went into a wicked V split. And, um, you know, he's, he, he went into a wicked V split and, and pulled both groins. And so he was out, and so Leighton came back in. But, um, again, that 
I think that the, you have to win one game. Like, you have to win that one, and then that confidence that you can grab from the one game is incredible. And like I said, it's not like we felt like we were badly outplayed. I'm not saying that Boston played bad or that we deserved to win. We just weren't outplayed. They were good games. They were close games, and we lost all three. And so to play in game four and to get that win, it was a lot of confidence, especially for a team who had dealt with a lot of pressure and a lot of circumstance through the course of the year to fight back, fight back, fight back. It was a situation that we were familiar with. So, um, you know, from there we won the, ne- uh, the next game, and, and I think one of the games was a, a, a pretty good shutout. I think maybe uh, it was by quite a bit. And it ended up pushing to a game seven back in Boston. And then that became even more dramatic because, I mean, the fans of Boston blew the roof off the place in the first ten minutes because they went up 3 nothing. And so not only were we down 3 nothing in the series, we're now back to it again, down 3 nothing in a game. And um, the guys never lost their composure. They never lost their cool. And, you know, we got, wow. we got a goal going into that second period. And we said, listen, forget about the first and forget about the third. Win the se- let's win the second period. Just stay, just, again, just stay in this moment right here. Let's win the second period. And we ended up winning it by two goals. We won it 2 nothing. And so it's now 3-3 going into the third period. Lavi, much like Sheldon Keefe, uh, a a goaltending change out of necessity. Where were you with Leighton in terms of where he was in his career, his development, his mindset to go into it? Much different, I think, with Joseph Wall, who's never started a game uh, in in his life in the NHL playoffs. Uh, Was there thoughts that Leighton can come in and, and, and do the unthinkable? Well, he had done it to that point, Kim. Like he, he had come in, and we had a lot of goaltending injury that year. I mean, it was a ton. I mean, at one point, I think we took Carter Hutton out of college for a, to back him up for a game. And um, there was a lot of things that went on. Ray Emery was part of it there, and he had, a, he had that major, major hip surgery replacement. And um, we were just we were behind the eight ball with injuries with regard to the goaltending. And so Michael Layton, you know, for the most part, played most of his career in the minor leagues and his stats in the minor leagues are unbelievable like I think he holds records in there for shutouts and uh, just a terrific goaltender in the American Hockey League but only you know his NHL career was not not nearly as extensive he did have he did have some games obviously he played some and it wasn't his first stint in the NHL but you know you're talking about a guy who you know spent I I can't remember the numbers but nine or ten years in the minor leagues and was a, a standout in the American Hockey League. And so he came in, and he's the guy who gave us unbelievable goaltending to come from last place at Christmas and to qualify on the last day of the year to make the playoffs. And so he got injured, and Bush came in, and Bush played really well also. And so they kind of tagged off of each other. But, again, it was based on injury, not necessarily poor play. One went down, and one was able to go. Well, that guy was went down, and the next guy, and and then the other guy was ready to go back in, and so we were able just to tag team him through tag team him through injury and get to the you know get to the finals. So, Lev, you've watched this uh, some of these Stanley Cup playoffs here, and you would have coached against Florida at least three times, the Leafs three times this year. Yep. Uh, what were your impressions of those clubs? I guess are you surprised by what Florida has been doing in the postseason? I'm not. We played Florida late in the season, and. Um, if you look at their and we played Toronto obviously too through the course of the year and Toronto is a they're a dangerous and they're fast and they're skilled 
Um, and they're, they're capable of, of really doing a number on you. And so you have to be ready to defend. You have to be ready to do the right things with the puck all the time. Um, when we played Florida, I remember going home after the game and I talked to my wife about it. I'm like, this team is, they're, they're, they're in a different, I think they're on a different page because a lot of their skill plays within a real aggressive style. Like, you know, Kachuk is a hard player to play against and Ekblad can be a hard player to play against. And, um, you know, they, uh, the, uh, the centerman there that they got from Calgary. Um, Bennett. Uh, Bennett. Sam Bennett. Yeah, unbelievably hard to play against. Like a physical, gritty, tough player. And Gudis on the back end. And you, you just go down their forwards and you look at Lomberg's hurt right now. And a lot of their forwards are really hard to play against. They're kind of built for that. As you know, when the when it ramps up and the battles become more contested, I, I just left the game and I'm saying if they get some good goaltending, which they have, I think Bob's played excellent. You know, down the stretch there, there was there, the goaltending was switching off there at times. And um, but Bob's a world class goal. He's a world class goaltender, and I think he's a two time Vezina winner. And so they're they they built a team. I think that's capable of success in the playoffs and they needed to get some goaltending and they've gotten it. Peter, as far as uh, what you just mentioned about uh, an aggressive style out of the Florida Panthers, uh, the Leafs went out and they, they got a, a Lafferty and a, an Achari, but most often those guys find themselves in the bottom six. Uh, is, is this a time when you wish the Leafs, some of their stars, uh, we're able to put more of an aggressive style together with that skill that you were talking about. Is there a big difference between not having that guy in a top six or not? You know, as you know, Kip, this, this, this thing has been won. This cup has been won a whole bunch of different ways. And it seems like, you know, it seems whoever wins everybody tries to emulate that a little bit next the following year you know like and if it's done two years in a row you really try to emulate that and um you know i'm thinking back to like 2006 when when we won in carolina i don't think that we were per se overly physical i think that we played hard like you know, there wasn't that. Although we, I remember in the finals, maybe, maybe it's just the, the Stanley Cup that brings out the best in the physicality and everybody. But um, you know, we had good skill on that team. We had Rod Brindamore and Justin Williams and Eric Stahl and uh, Corey Stillman was unbelievable for us in the play in the regular season, but in the playoffs too. And um, you know, we had a, we had a lot of guys. Dougie Waite came in and Mark Recchi. So it's not necessarily those type of players that you're talking about, although they played extremely hard in the playoffs, we, we felt good going into the playoffs, but I, I don't think it's necessary. I don't think it's completely necessary. I, and I wasn't at the time when I made that comment after we played on that night, it's not like I was saying, Oh, because they're going to play the Leafs somewhere down the road. I was just making a statement, just a general statement. I'm like that team, that team's ready to, to play in the Stanley cup playoffs because of the physicality and the like the puck battle physicality, the little bit of nastiness they bring, but that doesn't mean that they're going to win the cup either. You know what I mean? Like Toronto pulls out of this, they go on to win the cup, and everybody's going to say, "Well, you got to do it exactly like Toronto does it." You know what I mean? 
Well, yeah, that's that seems to be it. Is it's all such a, a copycat league? And so, I guess my question yeah. for you: You have so much experience with this stuff. Is the people in Toronto will be saying that if this core four doesn't win a cup, that you could tape all the grit and intangibles and all that stuff outside of them? It doesn't matter if they themselves don't have it. But you look at players that go on who don't necessarily have that. Maybe a Phil Kessel wins a couple of cups. Like there are people who have had success without that sort of chippy build. What are your thoughts on your core and what it has to be like? Can they do it with a group like this, or do you need to have that bit of edge within your core? Well, I, I, I think so. I mean, you're talking about really good players there. And so, um, you know, they've, 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 they've had some battles in the last couple of years. You're facing Tampa Bay a lot. <laughs> Tampa Bay was, was yeah. built, and they're, you know, they're, they're a real good team. And so I don't, I don't think that they've ever, you know, come out and, embarrass themselves in that manner. You're ta- when you're talking about the core players in Toronto, you're talking about really, really good players. And so, um, you know, it's, I don't know. Well, you know. Can you change things and can you, can you mix it up? Yeah, you can always do that, right? But with regard to those, those players, I mean, they're in the prime of their career and they're, they're really high-level players. So, you know, you'd like, to see them, you'd like to see them win one game tonight and then move on. Like, I'm, t- I'm telling you, the confidence of winning just one game—if you just—if you can really just keep it that simple—I remember asking them. I remember asking going in, you know, can we? Do, do you think if we play the Bruins one time, do you think we can win one game? And we'd already played them well, like we. we and the answer was resounding. It was just a simple question, but it was resounding in the room. The answer was yes. You know, you asked, I asked Mike Richards, the captain, we, can we beat them in one game? Yes. Yeah. And then you just you harp on that. And then, you know, going out for the third period, can we win? Can we beat them in 20 minutes? And the answer is yes. And then from there, like that confidence that you get from that. And so it's, obviously it's important, right? Because if you don't do it, then you're going home. But that one win can really give you a lot of confidence. It can springboard you in the right direction. One more for me. Peter, and I, I love having you on, and uh, I wish we had more time to, to get into this. Um, and that is, again, going back to your, your situation. Any team in the playoffs is down 3 nothing. Their, their stars aren't, aren't going. We know that. Um, in terms of Sheldon behind the scenes, uh, when you're desperate down 3 nothing and you need to go challenge three or four guys, can you can – you, how hard – Behind the scenes, would a coach now challenge his star players uh, verbally, emotionally, uh, behind closed doors? Can you almost embarrass them into playing better? Ultimately, we can, we, we can talk about how poorly these guys have done up until this point. But doesn't it fall on the, the coach's responsibility to get these guys ready? And if he can't do it, ultimately, they get somebody else? Yeah. <laughs> Those were, those were a lot of those were a lot of questions, and I'm not in the room. I don't even know if it would be fair for me to comment on that. I know that I know that there's a whole bunch of different ways to skin the cat when it comes to coaching, and um, like I said, they've been an elite team the entire the entire uh, year, and for years they've been a top team, and so uh, it would be it would be difficult for me to answer no, that no, no. question. But, but, uh, but, you know, the, but, but in yeah. general, Peter, in general, like, is yeah. it, is it attacked? Yeah. Is, is it, is, is it something that coaches can do? Um, and did yeah, you challenge, no, how sure. hard did you challenge the guys in Philly in 2010? 
Well, there's different ways to do it, right? So there's always different ways to do things, whether whether you whether you call them out, whether you do it in an office and, and you, you put it all on the table, whether you bring some sort of motivation, some sort of, you know, something that rallies. There's, there's, that's why I was saying there's a bunch of different ways to skin the cat, and so I don't dare no, try to speak to what went on in there. I know that sheldon uh, has got a really tough job, and their coaching is really difficult, and so – um, and they've been a really good team. But with regard to what's going on, there's a bunch of different ways that you can go at it. You can go at the group. You can go at the leaders. You can go at anybody you want. You can do it through trying to be firm. You can do it through by trying to make this message, tell, tell this story about greatness. And, you know, there's different ways. That's what I'm saying. There's different ways to skin the cat. And I think you have to get a read on your room and a read on where everybody's at. If there's not much confidence in there to go down and bury them, you know, in some sort of verbal beatdown, I'm not sure that that's the answer either. And so, but again, with me, you know, not knowing what went on in there, I don't even dare to guess it. But I do know that from a motivation standpoint, from a coach, there's lots of different ways you can go at things. One, one more, and I, I love having you on again, just in terms of like, like I, I know 10 or 15 years ago, I know when I played, man, it was simple, man. Uh, you know, they're coming yeah. after you if you're not delivering. Uh, are the kids changed today? Is it harder to get to them? No, you, no. I still think you can go. I still think there's lots of that um, with regard to going into a room, and 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 I think you have to be that way. And so I do think it's changed, Kip. There's no question that the game has changed with regard to that and, and handling the players. But um, I do. I always think that there's a time for that. I just call it plain honesty, right? There's always there's always time for honesty and a message to be sent. But I really think you got to look at where your team's at and, and, and try to get a feel and how you're going to change it and how you're going to make a difference inside of that. And so, um, yeah, it's definitely changed. Well, back when you played, you're right. Was, you're absolutely right. I mean, there could be things flying in the room and barrels being tossed and sticks being broken and, you know. but And, and there just still is at times, I think, here, but – I really think you got to read the situation tonight. Fantastic stuff, Peter. Really appreciate you uh, coming on our show. And can I just throw this at you? You know, a handful of NHL jobs available, <laughs> maybe more after the next few rounds. I, I suppose you're you're right in the mix with everything. Yeah. So I mean, like uh, you know, I, I I love my time in Washington. I worked with a great group, and um, it was great. Uh, great fans, and it's a great city. I, I, my contract is, is coming to an end on June 30, and, and basically my wife and I just decided to come back to Florida and see what's up. So, you know, I, if, if an opportunity presents itself, I'm definitely going to look at it. I definitely want to, you know, coach again, but um, there's, there's not a lot of those opportunities out there. So, and like I said, there, it's, it's, a, it's a privilege to, to do that. But right now my contract was up, and we just came back to Florida. So right now we're just enjoying some Florida sunshine and um, – you know, we're just hanging out right now. That's Peter Laviolette, eighth all-time in NHL wins. Lavi, thanks for doing this, pal. You got it, buddy. Take care. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. God, I loved hearing that. Sticks. Break in. Boys, that was really good. I Honestly, could be the potential final day of the Leaf season that we got our best interview of the year. That was really On good. the last, last day here. I'm telling you last day. that like that... That's the stuff that goes on behind the scenes, 
right now is that, uh, and he's he's right. There's still ways to go about this. And if Sheldon's going down, he's got to, did you say it earlier? If he's going down, go down your way. If yeah. he thinks this is the best lineup, maybe it was Luke. If you think this is the best lineup, then show us. Yeah, Show us tonight that this is the best chance. Um, quickly here before we go to break, fellas. I just wanted to sneak this one in here that tonight, uh, sorry, <clears throat> tonight's Toronto Maple Leafs 50-50 draw is currently at almost 7,000, uh, 6,085. Uh, you get your tickets at 5050mapleleafs.com and help change the game. So there you go, fellas. All right. Almost seven grand. Yeah. All right. Nice job, Sammy. And uh, we're going to take a quick break. Absorb what uh, Lavi just told us and get ready for Jim Ralph, who is on location covering game four. Toronto Maple Leaf Radio color analyst after the break. We'll get into Joseph Wall and his start. And how many games does he think the Leafs need to get some respectability back on their side? Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, Sammy McKee. You are listening and watching Real Kipper and Bourne. The best Blue Jays show out there, period. Blair and Barker. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Real Kipper and Born on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. All right, let's go back. Right back down to Florida. Luke Fox was uh, nice enough to join us, and uh, we're going right back there with Jim Ralph on location. Voice of the Toronto Maple Leafs, color analyst. Ralphie, did you pack enough underwear? Um, I didn't know how long I was going to be here, so (laughs) no. (laughs) I thought it was just a one-day thing. How's the extra day treating you? Oh, it's been fine. But I think, you know, once you get to this time of year, you'd rather go every second night, get that nice rhythm going. Because I think, what was it back in 93? They played 21 games in 41 nights. And it was just incredible, the you know, the rhythm every second day. You win a series, day off, start another one. So I think that would uh, that would be the preference. But, you know, with arena availabilities and all that other stuff that goes on, um, it would kind of odd to have one game in, what, five days up to this point. Yeah, very strange. You know, going into this game, a lot has been said with that extra time, obviously. Where does it leave you in terms of expectations for the Leafs' performance tonight? Um, I just talked to Sammy. Well, no, in the first three or four minutes. You know, and I think a good example, and and, and we've seen it throughout the playoffs, but I think, um, you know, if you watch Dallas-Seattle last night, you know in the first five minutes Dallas was going to take it. You know, they had more jump, won more battles. And, um, you know, the determination was there. So, you know, I think if, if they get into one of these 2-2 games again and it's just sort of back and forth, then uh, then you better worry. I think that, that benefits Florida. And I think from a Leafs standpoint, they've got to come out and say, you know, it's uh, it's ours to take. We're the better team and, and we've just got to prove we want it more. So that's what I think, uh, you know, in the first five minutes, if they've got the jump and the legs and they get scoring chances, maybe draw a penalty, um, You'll be satisfied, but I think the the longer it would stay close, the more you'd start to worry. We listened to Sheldon Keefe talk about uh, his his line combinations and what he thinks ultimately he draws back on. 
and that is uh, Yarn Crock uh, with Matthews and and Marner. Where are you with his his lineup? I I suggested a second line of Ryan O'Reilly and Marner and Tavares on the left side and play the crap out of six of these guys. But uh, your thoughts about going back to what uh, he he deemed the most successful during the regular season? Yeah, I, I mean, I I still like Matthews and Marner. I think if uh, if they're going to somehow claw their way back into the series, they they have to be pivotal and uh, be together. I, I mean, I'm I'm with you in a sense where you uh, uh, you know you kind of like. Uh, you know Tavares and, and Marner because they've had some success as this early in the season. I'm I'm I'm. Oh, Sammy, we're gonna have to uh, reconnect uh, with Jim Ralph. All right, we might have had a drop call there. To right after Lavi and Luke's home run interviews. Hey, uh, JB, are, are you okay with Sheldon saying this is the most success that I've had during the regular season and that's why I'm going back there because I, I got a bit of an issue with it? Yeah, and I don't necessarily think it's accurate, Sheldon, you know, like Kipper. Like, I think if you look back at when they went on a real good run in November, they played Nylander with Matthews quite a bit and Tavares and Mitch, and I, I just don't know that it's, it's accurate is all. For me, it's, again, two different style of play during the regular season and what you now are looking at in the playoffs. And even if they did have success in the regular season, did you envision that similar success or that similar style of play, how you scored uh, easily, seamlessly falling into the playoffs? Because it's not. And... it. Where did the most success come from? Did it come from like the bottom fifteen teams of the league, the top ten, the top fifteen? Let's welcome in Jim Ralph back. Uh, Ralphie, thanks for joining us. But maybe your your continued <laughs> thoughts on the lineup. Yeah, I mean it's uh, you know even I thought maybe you know you put O'Reilly back with uh, uh, with Tavares and Lady Lander, but um, you know we'll see. I mean what we see in the, the first five minutes may not be what we see in the second period as well, depending on how the games go. But yeah. but I'm, I'm a, I've always been a believer that Matthews and Marner, um, you got to keep them together. You know I think he's one of the best playmakers in the league and uh, one of the best finishers. I think it's um, analytics aside. I think that makes sense to uh, like an old guy. <laughs> so a surprising turn of events for the Leafs in terms of. Biggest game of the season and Joseph Wolves in the crease. We we talked about this on our show at the trade deadline, how you could end up in a situation like this, and sure enough, they are. What are your thoughts and expectations about Wool tonight? Um, and th- this isn't, you know, slagging anybody else. I, I honestly believe he's their best option. Uh, you know, how, how you saw him play down the stretch, uh, you know, how he finished against the Rangers and, um, you know, the game in Tampa. Uh, and I think what he gives you is sort of that stability where, um, you know, even even the three goals he gave up in game three, uh, he wasn't beaten on a clean shot, you know, where he squared up and and, and just got beat or missed it. So I think that's, that's what they need more than anything is just don't give up that bad one at the wrong time. And I just I like the way he plays. Um, I know Joe and I talked with about three weeks left in the season. Well, it looks like they were going to clinch home ice against Tampa. 
Um, I don't think we said it on the air, but or at least I hope we didn't. We said that that um, you know you got to play him, you got to play Joe Wall that game in Tampa because he might be the key, you know, to get into that series. And and he did and played well and picked up the win. So I don't um, I don't look at it as a downgrade. In fact, uh, you know, maybe the the plus would be Florida thinks they got another break, you know, and uh, just ease up just a little bit. Um, you know, thinking that uh, the, the Leafs are, are really down to their third. Uh, if you go back to the start of training camp, they're, they're fourth goalie in the depth chart. So, at, um, and then you look at any series that's turned around. Uh, New Jersey made a change going down 2 nothing to the Rangers, and Bobrovsky came in when, uh, when Florida was in trouble and they came back. So, that, uh, for whatever reason, that seems to be part of uh, the formula for any kind of comebacks is the goaltending change. We're talking to Jim Ralph, Toronto Maple Leaf Radio Color Analyst. Uh, Ralphie, big part of the conversation in the last uh, few days is how many games do the Leafs need to win to uh, earn a little bit of uh, respectability or safe face? Is it all or nothing here? Do they have to make history? Or is there something in between for you? Uh, no, I think it's got to be all or nothing. You know, I, I think you're at the point where um, you, know, you know, the big concern was, oh, you're going to have to beat Tampa, then you got to beat Boston, and that, that's going to be such a tough sled. I think it's, uh, you know, the opportunities there. That, um, and with all due respect to the Florida Panthers, it was played exceptionally well. Um, you know, you go up and down the rosters, and, and you're saying there, there really shouldn't be a comparison. So I think that's where, you know, talent and desire have, uh, have got to meet. I mean, they've won four games before in a row. Um, that's not a prediction, but it's certainly a possibility. Yeah, what are your thoughts on what's making Florida so successful? Like last game, they couldn't. The Leafs couldn't get to the inside. Some of their D, Gudis and uh, Stahl and Ekblad seem to be having success at protecting the net. What are you seeing out of Florida? Yeah, well, you know, it's kind of funny, isn't it? That it seems like after every loss, it's uh, the thing is, well, they kept us to the outside. <laughs> you know, this is usually the time of the year where you put yeah. the. Uh, the helmet on and, and you make sure you get to the front of the net. And, you know, there's, um, and I don't think the Leafs did enough of that, especially in game three. I think that's one of the reasons they don't draw any penalties is, you know, if you're not charging to get into position, um, you know, there's interference calls and holding and everything else. that's going to keep you out of the slot. So I think, I think that's up to the Leafs to, you know, kind of bury through that, you know, and, and not use it as an excuse that, um, you know, the Florida's doing this and there's nothing we can do about it. I mean, that's that's where you got to find the result to, to get the results you want. Um, maybe maybe about six weeks ago, I wrote an article uh, on, on Morgan Riley and it's it will be impossible for the Leafs to uh, have success in the playoffs without this guy bringing his A game. And sure enough, he, he gives a completely different look against uh, Tampa Bay and the least thing that you expected was all of a sudden a drop off from others on that blue line. But that's really what's happened to TJ Brody. And to a lesser extent, I I really believe Jake McCabe as well. Uh, How surprised are you at uh, the lack of success from these guys? Well, yeah, you know what, Kipper? I mean, that, that is sort of the key. And even Brody getting beat on the, uh, the overtime winner. He's what minus five in the series. And I think Jake McCabe's minus seven. And, uh, I, you know, when, when you sort of looked at those guys, I mean, it seemed throughout the regular season and throughout his time in Toronto, if somebody was struggling, you put him with T.J. Brody, and he was sort of the fixer. 
And um, I, I think that's why it's, it's kind of surprising. They've had uh, such difficulty getting the puck out of their own zone. Um, you know, even making that, that D-to-D 10-foot pass when you have full control of it. And, I mean, like I said, you, you give four to credit for the four check and how hard they've played. But uh, they've got to be a lot, a lot sharper and, and crisper because that, that's probably, um, you know, bringing that up is probably the um, fourth or fifth most talked about thing, but it may turn out to be the most important. Wasn't it strange how quickly they came to really miss Matthew Nyes? Like, it's noticeable, isn't it? Yeah, you know they, um, you know he seemed to be a, a nice fit uh, playing along um, alongside Austin Matthews. You know he had he scored that great goal in uh, in game one, and uh, you just saw that he got better every game. And yeah. uh, you know especially under the circumstances, you had to admire it. But it's uh, me like Selinke said, you know we played all year without him. You can't really you can't really use a guy that's got what seven or eight NHL games experience, not beating the lineup as your excuse not to win. No, but you can't look at a guy like Michael Bunting, who was out a little bit in the first round, and ask some questions about his performance. How do you think he's looked in the sort of return to not being the hyper, uh, I guess, annoying Michael Bunting, but him just trying to play hockey? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's such a fine line, you know, that that guys like that have to kind of straddle that line to be effective without uh, without costing you, and you almost wonder if there's just a little. He's a, he's a little too tender to break now. I mean, you know, he's still working, still trying to be aggressive, but but you see, maybe it's trying to be too careful not to take a penalty or, or get over emotionally involved. So, but um, you know, hopefully he's another guy that every game he gets a little bit better. But that's the one thing I noticed, though, Borny, is he's just just a little. Uh, I don't want to say timid, but cautious, and um, I, I don't think that's uh, you know he's not playing with Matthews Marner tonight, or at least to start. But but that's what I think you leave, um, you know, controlled recklessness out of him to to make a difference. Biggest factor tonight for you for Leaf success. Wall, a power play goal. Where do you look first, Ralphie? Uh, you know what? Kept my own go back to the first five minutes. If if they're serious about getting back and they've all said the right things and one game at a time, um, like I said, I, I looked at Dallas last night. You know, in the first five minutes they were going to win. And um, I think from a lead standpoint, um, that's what they got to have. They just get off to a good start, get their legs under them, and start to feel like they're carrying the play and, and they can dominate the game. Are you and uh, Bonesy at the beach down there in, uh, in Florida? What, you got Bonesy out? Oh, no, I'd never go to the beach with Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for clarifying. I don't want to touch yeah. that one. <laughs> There's so many ways I can go, but I'm I'm going to leave that one alone. Yeah, just uh, get pucks deep and win the one-on-one battles, Kip. Ralphie, <laughs> you never disappoint on the Real Kipper and Bourne show. Have a great call tonight, pal. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Toronto Maple Thank Leaf you. Radio Color Analyst, Jim Ralph. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure about the first five minutes, uh, and I, I appreciate Ralphie talking about it and giving us his thoughts. But, JB, didn't didn't we see a pretty good 5-10 minutes and a one nothing lead out of Lafferty in, in game three? Yeah, right. They, and, you know, the top guys had a rush that they almost scored on. Then they did score in a rush. Like, it seemed like they had it. 
for whatever reason, and I don't know if you want to credit the coaches of Florida for changing well, things, but it's just it goes back to the one word that I've described Florida for three games, and let's bring in uh, Sammy McKee back into this is Florida is relentless. Like we're talking about a two nothing lead that the Leafs had at the Scotiabank arena only to fall uh, a minute and six seconds later at three, two, they go up one, nothing in Florida. They go up two one in Florida. This team just doesn't stop coming at you. I think it's more what Ralphie's alluding to and which I'm kind of paraphrasing is that it's more about if the Leafs are going to make this even a game or not. Like I think if they if you, the Leafs go down to Cobb early, it could get really ugly. Like I think if you even want it to be a game, if the Leafs go up a couple in the first, maybe they'll still lose. But the fact that they're going to show some fight will still be there, and they're going to be playing in a in a you know a close game. You know what I'm getting at here? Like if they go down early, fellas, it could get real ugly for the Leafs. I think. There were certainly some takeaways from the Peter Laviolette interview that you could relate to as a Leafs fan where you say, we actually thought we played pretty good. I understand last game they didn't, but two of the three games, I feel like the Leafs have played pretty well. You know, he mentioned that they tied, right? Game four, they went to overtime, won it, and kind of started to find their, their groove a little bit. Like, you could see some little bits of hope, but what didn't give me hope is when he went on to say that they were the, the eight seed, seed that snuck in and were playing those sort of playoff level, you can't kill us type of games. And I know. Uh, that is the opposite of this series. I know. So, just some, I mean, I don't know if you want to get into this here. I don't want, you still want to do some Leafs stuff? Just what do you some, got for us, Sammy? We've, we've covered a lot of Leafs. Got, get some interesting news from Frank Cervelli here. Okay. It says, sources. Flyers president search down to two sport Turner sports analysts. I'll give you a clue. One of them joined our show yesterday and Keith Jones. Eddie O. Yep. Announcement For expected this week job? of the flyers. It's the, the search is down to two is down to Eddie Olchuk and Keith Jones. We just can't afford for either of those guys to go. We use I know. them both. I know. Crazy. Right? <laughs> yeah. Listen, they're, they're good hockey men. Yeah. Uh, Jonesy's covered the team for many, many years. His uh, his DNA is all over uh, that that uniform. Yep. So that that would be that would be a good start, I think, for the Flyers. Yep. It's crazy. That is. That's very interesting. Did you, did you guys want to talk about that other tweet from yesterday from Larry Brooks, or did you want to keep going, Val? Keep that? going. We're in the news and notes around I, the well, league. The one the wild tweet that he sent yesterday with uh, I'm just looking for it right now. Uh, Larry Brooks, who's an incredibly, you know, reputable name around yes. the league. You've been and reporting well for a very long time. Well connected. And he said, so I will pass, pass along this scenario that was just presented to me. Dubas leaves Toronto to become Pittsburgh GM, brings Keefe with him as, uh, as such, fires Mike Sullivan, who then becomes a free agent to join New York Rangers as the head coach. <laughs> Is that all? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'd I'd be surprised if uh, if the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, fire Mike Sullivan. They he's got I think a few years left on a, on a new contract. I like Mike Sullivan a lot. And yeah, who doesn't? Well, that's the thing. And so number can number the two, least, can the number trade two coaches. Number number two is you fired Burke and Hextall. You couldn't wait, and if you were if you're even contemplating getting rid of Mike Sullivan, don't you just do the whole do the whole thing? Clean sweep? Yeah. Yeah. 
to me, like, I don't want to, you know, like, I don't want to slag on Sheldon Keefe out here, but I have a hard time believing Keefe as the coach of the, the Penguins. You know, like, I, that's such a big job. And he's, like, he's, he's had some clout now. He's been in the league for a while, but, like, to go into that room and coach Sid at this point of their careers, that, that's a... That's something that's really hard, and Sullivan's got a good relationship with him. I'd be surprised by that part of it, mostly. Like, the Dubitz Pittsburgh Pittsburgh thing is not, uh, that's not a surprising thing. Like, I'm not, wouldn't be surprised by that at all, but the Keefe part, I would be for sure. You know, if if Dubas is suddenly like this, uh, you know, all of a sudden the bell of the ball that has all these suitors, like, does he still, is he curious to know what it's like to experiment with non-Sheldon Keefe? Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know like, know. would he like to know what I it's know. like to That's... get to put himself out there a little bit? Well, I, I think, I think just for optics, mm-hmm. you might want to interview a few yeah. of the people <laughs> if you get the job. 100%. If, in fact, Kyle leaves Toronto and ends up in Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. you don't want to just say, I'm, I'm hiring my buddy. Yeah, it's. I don't think optically it's great at all. I think they both would benefit from, you know, showing they can work for other people and with other people. Like, or just come back in the series and work with each can, other. Can we can we play the results here? Like, if they lose this series, can we go down this road? What, like, what do you think Keefe's market looks like if he doesn't come back here? I think it's a great question. Yeah, that is a great question. And... I would assume that you'd you just wouldn't look at the surface of it. You'd wanna you'd wanna research it. You'd wanna talk to people on the inside that would know mm-hmm. get to know Sheldon out, uh, outside of his coaching record. Yep. And come on, how many times how many people do? Has he been behind the bench over the years and you're like oh listen coach of the year november december january the records one of the best records in history i said that this year when they had no decor and they were really good for that full how long was morgan riley out that six week stretch there yeah where they had justin hall and mark giordano as their top pair and they were still performing i was like this guy sheldon's looking like a genius absolutely and then it kind of flips a little bit so i would imagine that you'd want to you'd want to do your homework behind Mm -hmm. the scenes before you you just jump into hey Sheldon's a great regular season coach yeah. but he he has not found a way to get results or squeeze the most out, out of a score. lineup in the most critical time of the season yep and then i think you know, but, but oh sorry go ahead Bonnie. you know you remember when mike babcock was the coach of the leafs he had a long contract Kyle dubas gets the job He's going to hire Sheldon Keefe, and they said to, you know, what Babcock wanted to happen and what Kyle wanted to happen was for Sheldon to be Mike's assistant coach for one yeah, year and then take over the American League team. But Sheldon didn't want to be an assistant coach. That was not kind of who he is or how he rolled at the time. Mm. You know, so if you're holding out for that opportunity and that opportunity only, I wonder if he would stick to Listen, that. or let's let's be let's – be blunt here Sheldon would probably had would have had no other choice to be an assistant coach if he didn't have Kyle Dubas fast track him Mm -hmm. I think that's very fair yeah I mean anyone though anyone who comes up in their 30s uh has a believer you know someone who 
it's you know you got to have someone believe in you, and I don't think it's unique to him that he had one, and other people Those tend, are tend to as well. Far and few, though, that quickly, for sure. Out of junior hockey to the pros, and I know they experienced uh, a Calder Cup mm-hmm. with the Marlies, which was completely stacked, mm-hmm. and we gotta win financially bought better yeah. than any other organization in the history of the Calder Cup. They oh sunk so much money. They this had, is you coming out, Borny. Get in here, Borny. They had, they had, they had guys on. He's, he's crapping on your lawn right now. Big, Get time, in. big time contracts. It was about buying a Calder Cup. I hear a personal vendetta. I don't hear logic. <laughs> anyways. No. Anyways, fellas. Do you want to go, go down that roster of no. how many guys were making what? No, no. No, I don't. I don't okay. interest <laughs> okay. that. But I, I will say, just going back to the Sheldon Keefe thing about doing research, how much of it, like, you're doing research on not being able to squeeze the most out of the core. I mean, it's a chicken and the egg situation here. Like, your, core, your players still have to play, and you have an extremely high-paid core, and, like, they haven't performed. I mean, how much are you doing that research and you're looking at the type of players that he has versus how, what he's gotten out of them? It's a hard thing to figure out. Like, I, I don't know which side of it I would land on in terms of, I mean, I don't blame Sheldon Keefe for them, their think, inability I, to I, perform I, in big games. I think he's gotten better as a coach for sure. No question. But there are some times when I question, why does he have the fourth line out there uh, with two minutes to go in an offensive zone faceoff? Yeah. Or why is he starting that guy in overtime? Yeah. Fair. All fair. Like, they, I think... Well, why does he think Yarncroft can play on the number one line on, in the most important game of the year tonight? I cannot believe that's going to stick. I don't think. I think you talk about Ralphie's five minute thing. I think we'll be seeing Yarncroft up there for five minutes. Like I don't. I don't yeah. know. I don't know what. What? Okay, we're not all hockey coaches. We're not coaches in the NHL, but we've watched hockey our whole lives. All three of us. We've played at high levels. None of us have seen one thing from Yarncroft in nine games in the playoffs. Not a lick. I don't know. I don't know what he's done. Like, sure, he was great during the regular season. That was a month ago. Like, I don't know how you yeah. can justify and be like he, they were great sample size. The games have not been from the regular season. It's been from the Sunday. Like, I, I don't know. Anyways. No, no, it's fair. And I do think that's probably sometimes, you know, you're trying to build the best unit you can, not the best lines. And I, I think if you want to have a third line, maybe you believe bunting with O'Reilly gives you pop on a line where Yarncroc and O'Reilly, you got nothing. It makes you too shallow. That's not a defense of the decision. I don't like it either. To me, you got to lean heavy on these guys. And they do. They're 11 forwards tonight, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you're going to see a pretty heaven churn. There's no chance Yarncroc plays more than 13 minutes tonight. Listen, you're starting the game and you're first two left-wingers, your top six left-wingers, are Yarncroc and Kerfoot. You tell me who's going into the corner to get the puck out no. for their line mates. Well, Kerfoot will go. He might not get it, but he'll go. He skates hard. That's a, a He'll much, attend the corner. He does. He does attend the corner, but he doesn't really win a lot of battles. Well, that's yeah. what you need this time of year. I know. I so know, Kipper. It's, it's a hard ask. Yeah. You got to win despite them, not yeah, because no. of them. I know. I miss Matthew Nyes. Can I say that? 
Yeah, yeah. bring him back. Yeah, they they knew. They like they waited for him. They didn't put him up on trade. They, they credit they, to them because we all no, traded no, him. No, 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 not credit to them. What do you mean, not trading him? Yeah, maybe you needed to trade him. No, no. Oh yeah. Okay. You know oh, what? Oh, you mean you mean to get somebody to, to replace? win now? Yeah. Well, he was. Sammy, but he was help, now. He was helping them win now until he got his head slammed against the ice you know, with no he, punishment. Maybe uh, maybe Ekholm would have helped a lot more. Yeah, no question. But I don't. Did they have to? Would they have? Would have had to trade Nice to he, get him? And Nice, Nice, and four be, million in salary. Nice yeah. will be ready in two years, but you don't know if Matthews is around. You don't know if Marner's around. You don't know where your team's going to be in. Two years. I thought that Nyes was contributing just fine until he got elbowed in the head and slammed into the head, his, his head into the ice. Right? Like, I don't think we were all, I thought we were all pretty happy with his contributions this year. Yeah, My, you're happy until you're not happy. Yeah, I'm happy until, you know, it's playoff hockey. But he wasn't ready for that. I think he was. I think he was showing that he was ready. Listen, what, did he have when, four when, or five when, points? When, when you go up against Sam Bennett and yeah. you're the one that's getting up and playing the rest of the game, yeah. and Sam's the one down, yeah. then you're ready, Sam. Yeah. Well, then you're ready. When you get headlocked and, you know, choke slammed into the ice, it's tough for anyone wah, to survive that. Wah, well, he wah. did. He did. Wow. He's, I'm not saying it's, it's playoff hockey, but, like, I don't know yes. how many guys in the league are su- surviving a choke slam. That's right. Right? Like, I mean, I don't, you could, I don't know. You could I don't know cho- what an RKO is, but apparently no, that's the but, move. But, like, you could <laughs> choke slam a guy that's been in the league for 10 years and he might be out. Like, it's not like yeah. it's because he's a rookie that that happened. Uh, yeah, it is. No, it's not. 100%, Sam. No way. He was in college no. two weeks ago. So? Now he's supposed to go against Sam Bennett behind the yes. net and come out on top, Sam? Well, no. Really? No, he's not supposed to go. He's not supposed to get his head slammed Sam, into the he's ice. he's a college kid <laughs> who's asked to go and play on the number one line. That's BS. I think it's fine. Hey, that's not a That's not a, a, a good ask. Well, he was... That's, Hoping he was contributing just fine. He was contributing just fine until he until they pushed their luck. Okay, <laughs> until on. they pushed their luck. No, no, that's not what it is. Anyways, Sam, want to talk with the Oilers? <laughs> Sam, please, please. It was only a matter of time before they were going to get to a kid yeah. who was yeah. green until he got taken out. Yes, by a hitman. Yeah, and didn't get suspended. Good radio, radio, though. Against didn't a guy that knows how to play a little harder. Oh, yeah. This time how of year. knows how to play a little harder. Just be dirty as hell and get away with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I don't hate it. I get why he yeah. did it. But I don't think him being a rookie had anything to him to do with him having a concussion. 100% it did. Okay? 100%. Uh, uh, Ron Burgundy, agree to disagree. Let, let me plug my article. Can yeah, I plug, plug my it. article? Plug away, baby. Go ahead. Today I wrote something, well, really over a secret series of days, um, opportunity analysis uh, using the NHL's Edge IQ data powered by AWS. Ooh. It's on what sets Edmonton's freakishly good power play apart from all the others. So on Saturday night, the Oilers' power play went three for six, and their power play percentage got worse. It went down to yeah, it went down to fifty two percent. You know that's after setting the all time record the regular season. So I just went through a bunch of the numbers, did a lot of video, a lot of gifts, and just showed McDavid, McDavid boys uh, skating around the zone, creating seams, all that. But it's hell for goalies. Uh, it's up on Sportsnet.ca. You can check it out now. So what happened to the Oilers? Uh, they were in control, and now they're not in control. Yeah. As simple as uh, 
a loss where they went, what, JB, 0 for 2 on the power play? That was shocking. Yeah, no, it really was. And, I mean, these playoffs have been weird, haven't they? Like, this second round in particular, it's like 8-4, 7-2. You're getting a lot of these games where one team just no-shows uh, could use – I guess the Leafs don't get the gra- the same grace necessarily, but the Oilers uh, came out in game two and really put on a show. So tough to be critical of them. I still think they're the better team in the series. I loved Vegas the other night. I did. Yeah, you did. Yeah. I loved them. Uh, I they're Petrangelo. definitely more complete. He came at him I, and at him and at him, and he just outsmarted them all. I think it just comes down to Aiden Hill, right? Like, is, is Quick going to be the backup now, I guess, right? Yeah, so uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Brassois, that did not look pretty. I, I just, I think if Aiden Hill can hold up, it's just eh, that decor's better. I know McDavid and Drysdale; they just got to stay out of the box. It's pretty much that that simple for them. If they take mm-hmm. three or four penalties in a game, they're probably going to get two goals against. But man, they're just a complete lineup with a ton of great players up and down it. Like that Chandler Stevenson, maybe the most underrated guy in the league. He He's skate, so right? good. He can skate. I think if you had to like take out Chandler Stevenson or Jack Eichel from that lineup, uh, I don't know if old Jack's wearing the jersey. Like I think he's not as important as Stevenson is to them. But Jack yeah. is warming up here. Yeah, he's going. Yeah, no, it looks good. It's not a knock on his play in the yeah. playoffs. He just. I, I can't disagree so with you, JB, for that, sure, on, on Stevenson. The goal he scored, I think it was the fourth one where Eichel came down on that two-on-one and kind of looked off. I think it was with Marsh or so who had a ha- uh, hat yeah. trick going there. But he looked them off, and it's that zipper right inside the bar, underneath the glove. That Eichel wrist shot, when he's kind of skating upright and he kind of shoots it in stride, yeah. you, you kind of remember why he was a, you know, once thought about as a top five, top ten guy in the league. Like, he's really... Next factor for them, I, 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 I think Vegas may win the cup. Where, where are you on, uh, where are you on Skinner's and his uh, ability to rebound here? I think you got to like it, right? Like, haven't they, haven't they bounced back pretty well in the playoffs so far? Like, I think you got to, you got to be okay with it. When, when did they lose? And everyone was talking about him, them going to Jack Campbell, and they came got back and got a big win from him. Remember that? That was just in the first round, so mm-hmm. I think I think you got to like the ability to bounce back from him. But it is to me, it's like a glaring issue when the team is you're down two one and you're going okay, you know we're going to need this guy, and it's just not a guy who's done that, done it or been there, and that's not unlike the Leafs who we talk about all the time. But you know your eggs are in a basket that's pretty unproven. So yeah, I think he he deserves the benefit of the doubt based on a lot of his play. But it, it is tough when a guy hasn't been in these moments before and started to feel something great slipping away. Right. Yesterday I mentioned uh, I thought Seattle needed to go up. Uh, or else mm. there'd be a big swing and uh, you could feel it early in that it? one. You could feel it early. Mm-hmm. You didn't like the call, the three nothing call on uh I couldn't uh, believe Ben it. Ben on Grubauer? I could not believe that stood. He, he I think Grubauer initiated a little bit of contact, maybe yeah, outside the blue. Like he kinda I, I think he tried to sell it. But then he, the way he came across and he bon- he bonked him out of the net. I think he tried to sell it. And that's what you think they went off of. Yes. I mean that it, he he, uh, if, if anything, they probably thought there was uh, incidental contact. Yeah, that that Grubauer tried to sell. I think that's fair. I, I just, you know, what the conversation is with these. Yes, with these things. It's, it's the cons- hardest thing to know. It's I, all I consistency. Tend to think- 
Yeah, I tend to think that they get a lot of things right and people make too big a deal out of it. Goalie interference remains one where it's yeah, like I'm impossible. not sure what is happening and, on any given And call. it's all like it's you'll never ever have any consistency because it's always different people making these calls. It's all in the right. eye of the beholder, right? Like That's it's not black point. and blue. It's you have to have one guy that does it all if you want it to be the same. Like it's always going to be different. So I thought last night I've seen way less called as goalie interference. All right. Here we go. Oh, boy. Give me a score tonight, Sammy. <sighs> Leafs done? I say four zip cats. Oh, <laughs> come on. Let the guy score a goal. Four zip cats. <laughs> JB? 3-2 uh, Leafs. Close one. They they hang on, though. Joe Wall is the first star. Wow. I think it's fitting that they probably would lose in overtime tonight, the Leafs. <laughs> Going really time loss, just close, close. That's all we're going to remember. This area is close. Mm. Well, they haven't really been that close. Close to what? Uh, uh, the scoreboard. <laughs> yeah, okay. A win. I was going to say close. <laughs> like, scoreboard. Yeah. yeah. God, they haven't been close to anything. They couldn't even. Never mind. Yeah, I'm not going to go. Probably, I'm, after our, after our, our, our tomorrow's going to be an interesting show, fellas. After our tongue lashings for swearing on air, I, I don't know. Did it again. I, a lot of it. I'll is, be there. I, JB, I think of all, a lot of it's already been said the last three days. Well, I know you. We came out. Was it Monday? And you were like, I don't want to eulogize this team. And then we spent three days just scooping dirt. So they'll fight uh, hard tonight. They'll give whatever they have to give. It just <laughs> may not be. That's enough. a heck of a hedge. What? What? what <laughs> What has have they shown you in all of the ears that makes you believe that? Yarn Croc's going to fight Kachuk. Like, I just don't see it. I just don't see it. Okay. You know what? I can see us back again Give tomorrow. Hockey. Enjoy the game, everybody. Game four. Real Kipper and Bourne back tomorrow to wrap it all up.